Justin, do you understand how children work? They don't make you immortal. You can't just swap souls with them when your body gets too old. <laughs> that's that's not what my dad said. And I'm living <laughs> in fear of that day. Well, I am here to inform you that your dad is in fact lying to you. Uh, and possibly just to inspire fear. <laughs> Welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that, god damn it, how the hell did anyone let, a, let us get away with doing this for so long? Honestly. No oversight. No, no. oversight at all. I swear. This can't be, there's no way this is my fault. No. Someone should have told me that we were just whiny liberals. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Mechagen. He hasn't been on the show in a while, and I think it's his fault. Well, he, he as a robot duplicant of of regular Jeff, it is his duty to kill us all and uh, harvest our spinal fluid for fuel. And now that he is not he doing... Didn't, he didn't no. do that. Oh, damn it. Note there the goes my master deadness, plan. I just want to bring that up. No. I'm alive. So alive. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, guys. I had this big old master plan. He was going to take out all your spines, harvest your fluid. I was going to somehow rule the world. It didn't work out. Sorry. This this was on the board. My question, my question, Mark. Step three, rule the world. I didn't say I knew how I was going to end up ruling the world. I just knew eventually I was going to get there. Admittedly, this is how our career as musicians was supposed to go. Why do you guys think I keep hanging around you? I'm just waiting for the spinal fluid to show up. It doesn't just magic. It's spinal fluid delivery it's service. It's not pizza, Jeff. You don't just hope for it and maybe find it in your shoes or something. Yeah, but that's what Mecca Jeff was for. Apparently, it just didn't work. All I can do is shrug, my friend. After that, I sure as hell hope so. Call 967-1111, cerebrospinal fluid, cerebrospinal fluid. Isn't that pizza? Pizza? Uh, they're versatile. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 100. <laughs> Can you believe somebody actually let this shit go in this month? Yes. Because we're all still here. <laughs> because we're located in Canada, most of the government regulations designed to prevent this sort of thing don't exist. Yeah. Well, the CRTC wouldn't come at us because we are primarily Canadian content. In fact, <laughs> this episode alone, we are 75% to a minimum. Well, Canadian content. Well, so it, the CRTC it, fucking loves our ass. God bless America. Anyway, what? But yes, any and all and any and all can, complaints can be said to uh, shove it up your butt, Lane, Ottawa, Canada. Or as an old kids in the hall sketch put it, screw you, taxpayer. <laughs> Speaking of screwing taxpayers, <laughs> don't get screwed this year. 
collect some valuable uh, some valuable tax exempt <laughs> uh, donations by donating to Extra Life, uh, my charity video game marathon, that where I will play things all day. Yeah, for Sick Kids Hospital. Awesome. Sick, sick kids. Woo! Woo! Sick kids. Help the kids out, folks. Yay. Don't be a shithead. I would also like to remind everyone, fuck cancer. Go to uh, go to my uh, fearless challenge to raise money to fight cancer. And, uh, yes, I will watch a TV show that a lot of people like. There you go. Um, I'm looking for a downside. Not seeing anything. Are you are you now retracting this? Is it no longer Farscape? Is it just... Is it just- I'm going to watch a TV show other people enjoy. It is specifically Farscape, yes. Okay, because you didn't mention it there, and I wanted to make sure you were still trying for this. Nope, Farscape is the thing. Okay. 18 hours of Ben Browder shouting. You know, we haven't actually done the name intros. Yeah, I was just realizing that. Um, yeah. I, I had a segue and I rolled with it. My name is Scott. I'm Jim. I'm Jeff. And I'm Justin. Man, it must suck having a name that doesn't start with J. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell, man? So it's just, just a harsh, harsh life. What you gonna do, Scott? Yeah. Welcome to the Centennial, folks. <laughs> this is how we go. So this Shibeti, is popcorn, other random crap that you use to celebrate shit. So I don't know. Yeah. At some Woo. point, we will get together for cake. Cake? Will there be beer? Pro- well, yeah. Yes. Okay. What kind of question is that? Okay, that was a dumb question. We I still. We, it's we, a fair question. Well, here's the thing. I still have some money tucked away from Lee for the beer fund that we have not spent yet. So there we go. Show beer is a beer fund? was by our favorite person. Yes, our favorite person. And yeah, there's a beer fund. There's a beer fund for the show. It's the only budget we have. <laughs> this is how the bluest thing even came to be, was the beer fund got Scott and I beer, and we got wrecked. And angry at a program. Yep. Which one? The Anime North. The Anime North program book. Okay. One of the greatest episodes of this photo that has never been recorded <laughs> was Scott and I ranting about this and drinking unfiltered beer. We, we we went through the whole. Th- we went through all three days, every event, yelling at it because they were yep. all dumb. <laughs> yep. It was awesome. That is amusing. And yet they still like you more than the conventioneers. Yeah, I know. What the hell? Those guys are the fucking worst, man. The conventioneers or the AN crew? The conventioneers. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that. I have friends who work for Anime North. You mean other than us? If you uh, work for them, I have more friends who work for Anime North. Yay! Uh, yeah, see, you guys, are, all you do is scare me. I keep considering maybe next year. Maybe next year I'll actually come up for that. Yeah. All I hear is horrible, horrible things about it. Yeah, that's that's how conventions work, man. Yeah. My friends have asked me year after year, why do you go to Anime North? You always tell such horrible stories. And I'm like, well, I had fun. Why do you never well, tell fun stories? Because there I are no fun stories. It was horrible. I hear they've got someone decent running the gaming now. So. Oh, yeah? Who? Someone who isn't the guy I previously dealt with, who was not as good. Oh, okay. I'm not going to name names. That's rude. That, 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 that would be mean. But speaking of mean, the 100th pick of the week. Woo! Woo! Jim! What? What? Origin. We got a new one. Ah, crap. You stole mine. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff. Fuck you. I knew you were going to go. But it's awesome. It's outstanding. I just, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Same thing we always say. 
If you haven't been buying this, why are you here? Other than just what are we talking about? A Japanimation thing. Is that some sort of Japanimation thing? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> okay. No, well, I'm assuming you guys, other than Justin, have picked up your copy. Sorry. I've got mine. I'm gonna read it tonight. I got mine yesterday. I read through about half of it. For I, I can tell by reading half of it. What are you guys talking about? What are we at instead of the jokes? Gundam the Origin. It's the origin of what? It's no. The series is called Gundam the Origin. Oh, Gundam the Origin. Yes. It is That's a manga. That big, basically, it is with that big robot is of the series. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. Does he fight crime? No. no. He fights. He fights uh, oh, terrorism. Yeah. He fights what? Terrorism. He fights a war. Global well, genocide. terrorism is a crime. Eh. Depends on whose whose side you're on. <laughs> yeah, cessationist lunatics, independence movements that are of questionable moral motive, and genocidal maniacs. Yeah, who like to use poison and colony drugs. All those technically would qualify as crimes under under my somewhat limited legal knowledge. So, but they don't consider it crimes if they win. Yep. Well, of course not. People don't consider it treason if they overthrow a king, even though that is one of the most traitorous things you can do in this world. Yep. Well, yeah. It's so very history gets written by the winners. Always. Always. I mean, think about the American Revolution. Really, like think... I was specifically referencing that, not yeah. four yeah, seconds Exactly. Later. Exactly. Really think Britain, if they had won, would refer to this as anything more than some petty little fucking squabble on some dirt pile on the other side of a wire? But to be deadly honest, if Britain had ever su- uh, successfully suppressed a revolution, we'd have an, you know, an example to go by. But yeah, that's fair. The, you know, they were good at conquering for a while, but you know, once people get it into their heads that you know, so if you're on a podunk island off the fuck of nowhere. We don't have to fight them. Fuck it. We'll do our own. Oh, by the way, Justin. Yes. My pick of the week is a book I bought last week called Wonder Woman Unbound, The Curious History of the World's Most Famous Heroine. You can probably guess what it's about. Bondage? Yes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> lesbianism? On what? On lesbianism? Uh, there's occasional discussion of that. Uh, no uh, feminism. Uh, I don't know how familiar everyone is with William Moulton Marston. I know Scott is, because yeah. uh, he was a pedantic jackass to me about him last week. Thank you, Scott. Love you too, honey. Well, but, uh, yeah, so the history of Wonder Woman is like the fucking desperate housewives of the comic book world. Because <laughs> uh, Marston was a psychiatrist who got hired to write a comic book because he wrote for Ladies Home Journal about the dangers of comic books and, like, you know, Bill Gaines is like, oh, fuck, this could be bad. You want to write a comic book? And he's like, yes, I will write a comic book about how women are superior to men, and we should bow down before them. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just fucking get me a script by Monday. Yeah, j- just don't use the color. J- just only use these six colors, and you're fucking fine. Yeah. So, it all there. And, like, you know, Marson had his wife and his mistress living together in one happy household. Their mutual mistress. Uh, mistress. Sorry? They, they shared that mistress. Yes. Well, it was a classic menage a trois. Uh, not the, you know, afternoon delight version that we've come to understand it as, but the classic French household of three. Uh, is uh, His third part, Olive, was uh, actually the niece of Margaret Sanger, uh, who was one of the, you know, leaders in the proto-American feminist movement and uh, well-known as a advocate for birth control. 
So God bless her. And all this stuff. And like, this is in the first 20 pages. You know, I don't think they've actually invented Wonder Woman yet. They're still talking about Marston's home life and the early days of comics. And it's, it's great. I am loving it. I've been wanting a good book on the history of Wonder Woman for a while. I got it. It's written by Tim Hanley. We will have a link in the show notes. If Wonder Woman and early comic books interest you at all, go grab a copy. There you go. And you'll enjoy it. Hey, Jeff, what's yours? Well, since Jim stole mine, uh, I'm going to go with a very nerdy one. How about that? Uh, Stephen Hawking. Nerdy? On yep. this podcast? Yeah, I know, what? shocking. I watched a Stephen Hawking, Hawking documentary the other day because there was nothing on television, and it was rather interesting, and I liked it because it made me feel smart and dumb when I was all said and done. Smart because he taught he taught all these things about black holes. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Wow, that's really cool. Wow, that's really, really neat. And I can tell the problem is when it's all over, I'm like, man, he just talked to me like you would talk to a six-year-old if you're trying to explain something. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. It's like, I feel smarter, but I feel really dumb that he had to dumb all his stuff down so I could understand it. <laughs> he is so, a hockey man. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, but he's got a good sense of humor about him. I mean, they showed his home and what he does in his you know free time. He's got all these pictures on the wall. And one of the biggest pictures he has is from when he was on Star Trek. And he has a picture <laughs> of him, Data, a guy dressed up as um, Einstein, and a guy dressed up as Isaac Newton. And he's got a big picture on the frame on the wall. It's like, that is a cool picture. I think Brent Spiner actually sells those pictures at conventions. I, I think Good luck does. getting the other three to get autographs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one has issues yeah. <laughs> with that. Hey, Steve, put your hand in this ink. <laughs> Just mash your face on it. Yeah. I still love when he was on Futurama. I'll call it a Hawking Chamber. Hey, who's the uh, Oxford Science Division going to believe? <laughs> so did you, uh, you ever see his epic rap battle of history? I have not. It's great. It's uh, Einstein and Hawking. Almost as good as the Newton and Bill Nye the Science Guy episode. Uh, Goku versus Superman was still the best. That's a classic, although I don't know why they put Superman up against some sort of uh, cartoon dude that nobody's ever heard of. Oh, God. If I could punch you through the screen, I would. Yes. Scott, you're next. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give it to Wasteland 2, which I did not back on Kickstarter, but I did buy in the first week. And it is, it is a fine little game. I'm enjoying it immensely. It feels like a version of Fallout 3... That was built as a Neverwinter Nights mod instead of uh, a Oblivion mod, like it was. So, what sort of character customization do you get? Um, you there, there's actually a pretty decent range. You can actually build. Well, you can build your full party at the start. Oh yeah. So you you can mess around with a whole bunch of uh, you know various options and fiddling and uh, kitten out skills, and then and then your medic dies horribly, and you have to. Wander back into town and uh, into the starter town, and no one there is actually a medic. So you have to start cross training everyone to cover that skill set while also dealing. So your with dragon it. has to spend a chi so he gets the first aid skill. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. It it, it is like that. Toaster repair is an important skill in the game, kind of. Course. Why? Okay, so the the toasters are like the little, are I guess the, the little hidden thing throughout the game world, but they're all broke. They have stuff in them, but they're all broken. So if you've got someone who can repair toasters, you can see what's inside them and get the the loots. Very clever. 
Isn't it just burnt bread? <laughs> Apparently no. People were very intent on stashing things in toasters before the nuclear apocalypse in Arizona. Maybe, maybe well, that's the only thing that protected it. People are like, let's cram a bunch of shit in our toasters. How could this possibly go wrong? And somebody crammed the wrong thing in the toaster and it blew up the world. It could have been it. <sighs> that was found one of those damn Sierra flying toasters and everything went to hell. Oh my god, old school. That was the day. Apparently Sierra Games is coming back or something. I refuse to believe that. I will not believe this until I have King's Quest twelve in my hands. I think I think they were they they left off on twelve. I forget. Did they get that far? I want to say I owned in King's Quest eleven. I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. Well, this is all fucking. August seventh, twenty fourteen. The website for Sierra, which was previously redirected to Activision's website, was updated to showcase a new logo and teasing that more will be revealed at Gamescom. King's Quest Eight was the last one in the main series. Okay. Well, you know, <coughs> people make games. It'll be on Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Crap, we still need a Kickstarter Beachcomber game. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> oh my God, guys! Did you know Glenn Book? Glenn Beck wrote a book called Agenda Twenty One. I saw that. I have to, like, I have to steal that and read it. What is it? It is a yeah, Agenda dis- Twenty One is basically. That was something that happened at the Rio conference. Do you remember the Rio conference, 92? No, of course not. You're like 18. Yeah. So anyway, 1992, Nine. the UN held a conference in Rio de Janeiro. De Janeiro. De Janeiro. And <laughs> everyone said, hey, we should do stuff for the environment because it's getting all wacky. People said, sure. Basically, you know, which has about as much backing to it as any UN resolution, which is, ah, not a lot. That sounds like a good idea. Maybe we'll get to it eventually. So, uh, so of course... The uh, Tea Party crazy guys down in the States, no offense, Jeff, uh, decided that this, of course, means the UN wants to depopulate the United States and take over the country and do whatever it is that they think they're going to do. I, I, I really can't track it that much. So Glenn Beck wrote a book about a post-apocalyptic environment where Agenda 21 has been implemented and freedom-loving Americans, blah, 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 blah. And I've... I think I need to get the rights to this and turn this into a role-playing game because yes. this would be the price of freedom for the 21st century. Yeah, we th- this this needs to be the next big thing in YA dystopias. Yes, this sounds fabulously mad. Like literally, the plot is a one is that America is just a whole bunch of treadmills. Like, <laughs> like sustainable energy is generated by having Americans walk on treadmills all day long. All I'm going to say is, every political party has those people that you look at and you go, oh, God. Glenn Beck is all of them. Uh, <laughs> let's not have that conversation right now. Yeah. Because uh, we're here to talk about Blade Runner! You say Woo! you Blade Runner. You say you Blade Runner. Well, you know, fair cop. I have run the blades in my day. So I love this I... movie. I really do. You know what I love about this film? It what? did not have any sort of overarching narration. Which yeah, it didn't. It, it didn't <laughs> have any terrible voiceover to ruin it. It did, and it had this really ambiguous ending that was amazing. Right, guys? What? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, of course, when Harrison Ford walks into a an elevator and fade to black, smash cut, 
But clearly you would want to have some sort of a happy ending. That is what people would want. But that, that, is, that is what the movie-going public would want. They would want some sort of happy ending, a nice little hide-all off the bow. No. No, um, no. That that would be terrible. We should we should end it like a real movie, a, a real noir movie, and have it just be, hey, for, forget it. For, forget it, Rick. It's uh, it's Mega City 3. Yeah, your life is shit. Everybody's life is shit. Hey, you're alive. For now. Right. Too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? Spoiler. Fuck you, Edward James almost. Edward <laughs> James almost was like the best part of that movie. I loved him. He's he great. For like 10 minutes He's got a cool hat and an awesome mustache, and he keeps and making things. And for those ten minutes own... he was in the movie, those were ten badass minutes. Those were some fine minutes. <laughs> he drops origami all over the place. Shit. Little beast of possibility everywhere. No. Anyway. Now, I, one thing I found really interesting about this movie is I watched it years and years. I don't even remember when I watched it. It was a long friggin' time ago. And I rewatched it for this episode of the podcast. And the entire time I'm watching it, I'm... I can see, you know, little spin-offs like, hey, you know, that, that kind of reminds me of Terminator. Hey, that reminds me of Aliens. Hey, that reminds me of that episode of Gargoyles. Hey, that reminds me a little bit of The Matrix. Hey, that reminds me a little bit of this. And I'm just picking all these little things like, man, this reminds me of it. And i got to remind myself, no, no, no. They are taking pieces of this movie and using it for their own stuff. I mean, They're there's all it. these movies that, you know, took little ideas from this movie to create their own. I mean, I'm picking up stuff on, you know, hey, I remember that future episode of Gargoyles. This reminds me a lot of that. Well, this is the, like, visually, this is pure cyberpunk. Yeah. Like, anytime you talk about cyberpunk, this is by and large what you're going to see. This may be Akira, but even then, it's not like Akira didn't subtly take from you. Yeah. Oh, Ghost in the Shell. I'm, I'm watching this whole thing, I'm like... Why are we making a Ghost in the Shell live-action movie? This is it. <laughs> yeah, that, that see, this is the problem. This this comes up every time people talk about Ghost in the Shell of the live-action. I'm like, you know, I have enough American cyberpunk, and they keep promising me a movie of Neuromancer. That'll never happen. Yeah, they keep promising. It might. Who knows? They're, they're closer now than they've ever been, but I'm I'm still not going to believe it till my ass is in a chair. Once again, yeah. Ghost in the Shell, some sort of Japan invasion thing? Yes. 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 But your, your high-level thoughts, Justin? It's, it's a goddamn classic. Uh, okay, personal confession. Yeah. I didn't see it until I was in university. I think that's the perfect time to see it. Yeah. And you besides, you were in university. School, school, a lot of this stuff will fly over your head. Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, it would have it would have been good to be able to, you know, reapproach it at a slightly older age, get a sense for, you know, how it works and everything. If I remember correctly, I think I did see this in high school, and I think a lot of it did fly over my head. So I don't get it. Well, it, it's just well, I remember slow. the I remember seeing the uh, comics adaptation from Marvel uh, in my local convenience store when I was uh, nine when it came out, and <laughs> I'm like, well, this looks interesting. Oh, look, a new issue of X Men. <laughs> Back in the days when you could buy comic books from convenience stores, and X Men was readable. <laughs> Lizzing. Yeah. Back, back when X-Men had a not confusing plot. That that's no. 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 1982, no. it was already too far gone. No. Uh, that would have been the Claremont days, right? <laughs> I actually first saw it uh, in in university when I was assigned to review it for the newspaper as uh, you know, and like the director's cut was just coming out. 
And I was like, oh, a director's cut. Well, I have not seen the original. Thankfully, I had a girlfriend who was a big uh, Harrison Ford fan, so she gave me a brief on the whole thing. But uh, no, it was it was then and it remains now a very great movie. Oh, my God. You know, well, this, I think this I, movie was by far way ahead of its time. I mean, look at all the other movies like that coming out at the same time. The closest thing you can compare it to is Star Wars, and that's not a fair comparison. It came out the year prior to Empire, I mean, to Jedi. Right. And, uh, you know, 1982 was a big was a big year for the Na- films. 1982 might have been one of the better years for sci-fi? I mean... Yes, or, genre I mean, films were... I mean, were, I mean Conan like, the Barbarian, Road Warrior, Poltergeist, Wrath of Khan, E.T., Blade Runner, The Thing, Tron. Ooh, Tron. <laughs> okay, can we just go back to 82? Can... We just go back and hang out there for a while. Yeah, uh, well, other than that, it was not the best year. So I was two years old. I don't remember any of them. So what? Eighty-two. I didn't even exist yet. Oh my God! Yes, yes. You're all incredibly young. Congratulations. <laughs> I was nine. I ran around in short pants and wondered. Oh, I wonder if if Luke and Leia will get married. <laughs> so you were reading my side, were you? Yeah. Boy, were you in for a surprise. <laughs> oh, I was no fucking kidding. But, yes, it was it was absolutely like, oh my god, it still remains like, you know, the visual design, the everything, the fact that, you know, even the soundtrack, depending on what version you see. Is it, are you generally going to get Vangelis, or is the Tangerine Dream on any of the uh, versions you can see? I, I think it's mostly Vangelis now. I mean, I'm sure you can dig up a Tangerine Dreams version. I actually, when the final cut was released, I went to go see it, which meant traveling like all the way into Tirana. And I actually bumped into my boss at the time, not just like my supervisor, but like the VP in charge of our division. She was there with her husband and, you know, we bonded on it a little bit. So that was nice. I helped her find the uh, briefcase when she wanted to buy it for him for Christmas that year. Nice. Yeah, well, they still laid me off when they shut down the division, so... Well, that's... That, that is the wages of life. Yeah, that sucks. But no. So, you youngins, you've not known a world without Blade Runner. How yeah. did you feel about this? Well, I... Uh, here's the thing is, I went through... I had a roommate who was on an absolutely major, major cyberpunk kick when she moved in. So, I think we went through every single the, the entire canon at least film wise in about a month and so i got hit with everything and blade runner is still the one that stands out as the best and just the one i can rewatch every year. better than hardware scott better than hardware better than dark city better than ghost in the shell colon innocence i was kind of kidding the hardware is pretty shitty yeah no hardware is shit <laughs> Dark City, that's a fair comparison. Like, Dark, Dark City's, City's fair. Good. But it's more of a fantasy film than, I think, a, a, you know, a strict cyberpunk. Yeah. It's Dark City's weird. Always good for watching. I always find this kind of timeless. Like, other than the obvious age points on it, like, you know, there's little anachronisms, there's little things that you well, expect by 2019 we'd already dealt with, stuff like that. Yeah, like, the, there's the whole point where you're looking at the opening, it's like, Los Angeles, 2019. City fire and skyscrapers as far as the eye can see. I'm like, yeah. 
we not got we got a quite. very limited window to get those flying cars ready because damn it. I like to remind you that was tw- thirty-seven years in the future. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They, they just sort of threw oh. they they threw the dice. They picked a year, and uh, yeah, no. It's L.A. is not quite an industrial hellscape yet. <laughs> yet it's close. Was that? Yeah. Was that? We'll give it five years. Like seriously, <laughs> I think those towers are being built as we speak. Yeah. Any of you guys, dickheads? Uh, I am. I am slowly going through the canon of Dick. Excellent. So, uh, Scott, have have you read Androids? Do Androids dream lately? Because it has been literally I think, decades for me. I think it's been about six years since I've read Do Androids, and I think the thing that bothers me is okay. So I enjoy talking about this movie more than I like watching it. I'll say that. And <laughs> that's fair, actually. <laughs> no, it it provokes interesting conversations. There are some really good points, but there are points you're like, come on, cut, do something. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give Rotate something 22 degrees. Focus. Rotate 22 degrees. Focus. This is this is a little, okay, more than a little bit of art house porno. It's like, you know, a no, cinematographer's dream. I get to play with all the crazy crap I never get to use anyplace else. Yeah. So that so there's that, and so I, I so the thing that kind of bothers me is that. It's kind of clear that Blade Runner has strayed very far as an adaptation goes. So it's like, so when a discussion inevitably arises and people say, well, in the book, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, put it down. Nice put, talking to your dog. Put, yes, put that down. We are in but very what about different the book, realms. Scott? No, no. But it's an adaptation. No, stop it. Yes. It's influenced by, but there is no it adaptation. Is inspired. Yeah, inspired by. That's a better terminology, but there is no adaptation of that book in this yeah, movie. There, there is not, in fact, an electric sheep, and Deckard's wife is not in the movie, much less addicted to artificial feelings in it. So I feel like we can discuss these as separate corpuses now. Are artificial yeah. feelings anything like playing too much uh, World of Warcraft? A little no. bit. There are maybe. no feelings in WoW at all. <laughs> Trust me, you go numb after a while. <laughs> All right, it's then. not healthy. I stand corrected. Yeah. But yes, it was, uh, yes, you know. So, I, I'm just wikied the, uh, the book, set in 1992. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Those horrible, awful future days of 1992. <laughs> Does the film ever go into why animals are pretty much extinct at that point? No, it it, it is no. just something left over from the book that they just kind of leave hanging. Maybe there were maybe there's a version of this movie with terrible voiceover to explain it. I wouldn't know <laughs> or care to listen to that. But yeah, no, this is it. Is I I enjoy this movie immensely. I enjoy looking at it and just listening to it and uh ah uh, and Okay, so I guess I guess there is the the big thing that uh, everyone likes to talk about when this movie comes up, and I'm no, gonna... he's not a replicant. Uh, well, no. here's the thing: I like that. You no, know, there's a different version and a, to support each it each interpretation of it. I like that the actor, the writer, and the director all disagree on the subject. <laughs> but I think the debate kind of misses the point of the movie. You Would... mean how it really doesn't matter? Well, yeah, exactly, because what Roy Batty is is about is not he he's not he is not railing against his fate as a robot. He he is not upset that he has been enslaved. He's not in, upset that it's death. no no he's not even upset about dying precisely. It is that he 
has lived and felt and experienced a great deal, even and in nobody three gives years. A damn. Even yeah. in three years, and now he's going to die, and the only way he can communicate all of this stuff that is the experience of a lifetime is through stupid, dumbass words, and that is horribly unfair, and he wants to change that. And you know what, guys? That's not the robot condition. That's the goddamn human condition right there. Yeah. Well, all cyberpunk really has one central theme running to it. Is what is it the definition of humanity? At what point, if you become a robot, if you are no longer human, are you still human? And this, and a lot of cyberpunk, Ghost in the Shell in particular, waves it in your face real bad. You know, this is the central point. Look at it! This is, keeps it a little more subtle and says, what is the difference between human and robot? And is there a difference when you get right down to it? Like, and... Like, I like that they ask whether or not Harris, uh, Rick Deckard humans can't headbutt their way through a wall. I'm yeah. just going to say that much. Right that this is time. fair. That's fair. It depends on how much beer you had and the wall. I am not going to actually go up against Rutger Hauer in the 80s and say, <laughs> you can't do that. Because I genuinely think Rutger Hauer did that. And they went, fuck it, we'll run it. <laughs> well, now we have to work this into the movie. And, okay. Why would the robot put his head through? I don't care. That was awesome. Rutger Howard did it. find a reason. Let Rutger be Rutger. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to fix these walls up. Shut up. He seems to think he's a robot. Whatever. Now, one of the things, because I was chatting with Tony about this last night, even in regards to Roy's humanity, was one of the arguments in regards to Deckard being a replicant was Roy saving him. And it's this is the last replicant there. So Deckard is saving Well, Fatty is saving him because this is a loyalty to the replicants. I argue the exact opposite. Well, that's it. I look at this and I go, this is Fatty showing even more his developing humanity. This is someone who is going to die. Yes, he has killed Tyrell already at this point, but that... uh, I I, I don't buy that. He's killed Tyrell, he's killed Sebastian. They've killed dozens of people at this point. I don't think he he cares about that as much as... He knows he's dead. It's box ticking, he's dead. And either he can let this guy die... Or he can save him, and at least there's a witness to something he did. Well, here's the thing. Exactly. Somebody will remember him. He, he could, Roy could have killed Deckard at any point there. Like, he had yeah. the upper hand the entire way. Like, from the moment he Rick... By the hand, he could have torn the arm off his shoulder. Yeah, and this yeah. is it. And he, he spends the time teasing him. He taunts him. He hunts him. He explicitly says, this is what it means to fear. This is our life. You need to understand that. Because I'm not going to be around to understand it anymore. Like I, like I was saying a second ago, he, he's trying to make somebody remember him, understand him, experience him, whatever. He doesn't give a damn. It's just, look, I'm about to die. I've only been on this earth four years. I've all experienced all this stuff, and nobody seems to give a rat's ass. I'm going to make at least one person give a rat's ass. And that's it. And that's human. Like, that's taking that away from him, trying to make it some sort of just basic loyalty algorithm bothered me when I read that argument. Because it's like, Batty's humanity is present in just about every scene in some form or manner. Even murdering Tyrell, as violent and unnecessary as it seems, is kind of a human reaction. I, it reminded me of Frankenstein. Like, he's there with his creator. Okay, have you tried this? Yes, it didn't work. Have you tried this? Yes, it turned into a virus and killed the subject. Have you tried this? Yeah, that'll Same give you cancer. Happened. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking there's some design issues. You know, <laughs> if you can't... Say, yeah, but it's like, sure. But it's like he kills Tyrell. It's 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 rage, it's passion, it's fury, 
It's human. Like, it's not a mechanized response. It is not a machine not, response. Like, Roy Batty a... is not Skynet. No. Right, Roy, Roy, Roy Batty is is an angry teenager. Yep. He's not even well, a teenager. He's an well, angry four-year-old. Yeah. They all, they all remind me of children playing at adults' emotions. Like, this is how Mummy and Daddy would do it, so this is how I'm going to do it. And the entire thing plays out wrong because they don't really know how to convey it. I mean, even get that vibe off of Rachel to a point. Like, her responses to the opening questions are too quick, they're too mechanistic. Her emotions are acted, despite reason that she's an actress. Like, she has trouble actually conveying them because they're not quite real. That well, bit with uh, Pris, where she's, like, you know, trying to ingratiate herself with J.F. Sebastian. Yeah. And it just feels awkward, every word between them. It's like, boy, we really scared each other, didn't we? Uh-huh. Oh, well, it's, it's another, like I said, basic. They're trying to blur the lines between human humanity and robots. The robots are working from program. But in a certain way, when we're that age, when we're three, four, we're basically working from a natural program, too. We really don't know what the hell we're doing. We're doing right. like instinct. And yeah. when you screw up, which you do a lot when you're that age, you learn not to do it again, hopefully. Yep. But, but he's born, he's about have, to die, so who cares if he learns anything? <laughs> and normally you don't have greater than adult strength, speed, and everything else to convey those emotions as well, should it come to physical context. Right. Also, credit to the actors for doing that. Like, for being able to convey this faked emotion. Oh, yeah. The one thing I didn't mention, I meant to, is there one bad acting performance in this movie from anyone? Maybe James Hong. Maybe? I'd, I'd even give him you that. shut up, sir. You... I will punch I don't think he did a bad job. I don't think he was the highlight of the movie, but I can't think of one guy, man, you really didn't do your chops on this thing. No, everybody else did a good to great to superb job. Yeah. Which, if you're, if you're working with that director, you kind of have to be on your game. Because he'll find out if you're off your game real quick. It's, it's not like really Scott's perfectionist or anything. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's the reason there's only one cut of the movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I'm just, ever since Prometheus, I just can't. Uh, I have to go back and rethink everything he did. I, I think I think it's just some people, you just cut them off at a certain year, and it's like, okay, this is when he was done. <laughs> you basically have to do that with John Carpenter. He keeps talking about, I'm going to make a Blade Runner, too. I'm like, no, 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 no. stop, stop. No. no. I no. will go to jail for the rest of my life to prevent that. <laughs> no, this Ridley. Ridley, you, you can go make all the Prometheus sequels you want. I don't care. You want to make another Aliens? Fine, I don't care. You can make Alien prequels that don't have Aliens in them. All you want. Do all that. I don't care. Go nuts. Break a leg. Avatar. Whatever. I don't care. Leave Blade Runner alone. There, there's nothing in Blade Runner that needs expanding. You eventually made something that was almost perfect. Yeah, that's about as, as close as anyone's gonna get in filmmaking. I mean, hell, it came out in 82, where people are still discussing it to this day. Yep. And we'll be discussing it long after we are dead. Not me, I plan to live forever. Well... We've been over this, Justin. You can't transpose your soul with that of your child. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I'm just saying, there are you tell me no, but... Search your feelings. You know what it is. <laughs> but yes. No, oh, it, was, it was so wonderful. Can... I mean, I wonder if Hannibal Chow was named after Hannibal Chu. I wonder if there was a reference there. <laughs> no, it was clearly his favorite uh, his, his favorite uh, military general and the 
best, the second best Chinese food restaurant in Brooklyn. Yep. Of course. He says that. Yes. He says that. Yep. Uh, so where were we? Blade Runner is amazing. Blade Runner is amazing. The entire time. One thing that struck me as a bit weird is I couldn't figure out why Zora was working as a stripper. Because, like, everything else everyone was doing seemed to be oriented towards the mission. And she was basically working in a public uh, occupation. She put herself out in front, and it just, that just struck me as weird. You know, I, 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 I missed last night when I was watching it the, the bit where she didn't kill Deckard because people came in to interrupt them. Because. Well, she was one of the military units, wasn't she? Well, she, she was, yeah, she was police or something. She, she was a combat unit of some variety. Yeah. yeah. She has been used in murder squads, which right there is like, whoa. The murder squad. You could have come up with a better name than that, huh? Murder squad. <laughs> That's, it pretty much makes the point that it's trying to make, you know? I know, I'm just saying, we couldn't use a different word than murder, huh? Well, it's, it's sort of weird where you have, you're, you're very frank about the fact that you have robot murder squads, but the fact that but you... you only but, yeah, but the getting rid of them is just retirement. <laughs> yeah. We use the robots to murder people. We just retire the robots by killing them. <laughs> that's that. You know, that's just you know. I know you guys are kidding, but that's just like you know a reflection of the dehumanizing, you know, the never humanizing of of the uh, androids. Well, I mean, they might as well have just call it disassembling, deactivation, yeah, recalling, also bio. Yeah. Any of these would work too. I don't know. I suspect it was cover. I suspect maybe it was something to experience other emotions, especially since she's a glorified murder bot. Because, I mean, out of the group of them, Chris would have been the one best suited for that profession, but didn't pursue it. So maybe it was just personal motives. She figured maybe if I'm right there, they won't spot me, because nobody's going to try and interrupt in the middle of this club, which is basically seedy as fuck. The cops aren't going to come near here. Nobody's going to find me. She just wanted to look pretty, to feel pretty. She wanted to play with snakes. <laughs> Robot snakes. No. Did you guys hear what they did for the final cut? No. Uh, I don't know how familiar y'all are with it, but during the sequence where Deckard is hunting down Zora, uh, her stunt person is fairly noticeable. It's, uh, you know, the build, almost completely different. The wig, not actually like the hair she has at the time. So it is. It is. It is one of those things that people apparently found. Ah, this is this is a poor example of the filmmaker's art. I didn't spot that. I mostly felt sorry for the stunt actress for having to go through real glass in a couple scenes. Because mm. that I'm watching those break, and I'm like, that is not sugar glass. Well, I'm, I'm sure they did everything with you know with the eye towards safety. Oh yeah. There's there's no such place as a well lit place in Los Angeles in apparently 2019. Everything is dark and gloomy. I mean, everything. That's the reason you That's have the noir genre. <laughs> you have light sticks in your umbrella. That's I guess. Why. So, what uh, Miss Cassidy did is she spoke to uh, the director, Mr. Scott, and uh, he said that he was going to go back and recut it for, you know, the final cut. And apparently it came up to them that she should just reshoot those scenes herself. So... She apparently had not aged at all in the intervening two decades. Mm. I met her actually in San Diego. Still a very handsome woman. Uh, and they, they reshot those. So if you look in the final cut, the consistency of uh, Zora during the scenes is, is much better than it was in the original versions. 
I'm just curious where they got the set pieces to reshoot it all those years later. That's what Ellie looks like now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, the good news is we don't get to rebuild the set, guys, because Ellie currently looks like this. We just got to make it a lot darker. We'll film it at night. They're talented people. <laughs> they just, you know, hired some. They just got someone from one of them sci-fi reality shows. Mm-hmm. Are, what? Are those they, real? Yeah, there's there's one where people design sets. Oh, okay, okay. Build me a Blade Runner set in under a week and make it look awesome. Yes. And by awesome, I mean dark, gloomy, and covered in garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Because disposal is expensive and not something we're going to do. (laughs) But yes, it is is an iconic film that that remains with us to this day. Huzzah. I I guess we should address the the various cuts. I I know we argued a bit about um, a few different versions, but... Basically, the, oh, the the unicorn dream. The, the 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 theatrical cut was not good, and then the theatrical cut had a, a narration that Harrison Ford to this day insists he did not intentionally botch. It was just just incompetent. Well, no, I think he, he the the explanation he gives is that you know what they gave me they did not give me an opportunity to not to do anything but botch. Like they just had the words. There were no direct. There was no director in there. There were no retakes done. So it was one shot, read this blind and do it properly. Yeah. Wonderful. There was also... I understand he was shooting it in a broom closet in a hotel in Prague. <laughs> made... Hiding oh. from the authorities. Yes. And then uh, there was also a happy ending where a bunch of unused helicopter footage from The Shining and some more narration came in. Anyway, it, it's generally agreed upon to be not very good. So, However, so... prior to the release of the theatrical release... The work cut was seen by several audiences. This is a version that did not include the narration. Or included only one or two, depending on who you talked to and which screening they were at. Yes, the version that's on the the DVD has uh, a bit at the end where, right after Roy dies. Uh, the, the, he died all Decker. night and enjoyed it all speech, which, I could, that that's the one I kind of miss, to be honest. Well, it's a nice speech, all things considered. Like, as a send-off for Patty. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that was sort of the prototype version. People saw it. And uh, the it ends uh, when the elevator shuts. Boom. No uh, credits, you still get the unicorn the on the ground, but there's no significance to it because things that were seen in the director's cut were not in it. Yes, and yes. what was in the director's cut? Most... A dream unicorn. Yes. Because, yeah, that's what he was going to dream of at the moment. Why are you dreaming of it? Never mind. But, yeah, the whole... In the original theatrical cut, why was there origami unicorn? That makes no sense. Well, a lot of what Goth cut, does doesn't make sense. Why is there a sense. magical unicorn dream? Oh, wait. <laughs> well, Edward James almost is making shit in just about every scene he's in. He makes a little yeah. man. He, he makes, makes a man with a boner. He makes a chicken. Yeah. And then he makes a unicorn. And it's like you already kind of put together who's going to be at the apartment just based on the, you know, who lives observation. So that's all I took it ever as. Like, it's like, okay, he was here. This is his latest in a line of trinkets. For some reason, I just thought the unicorn stuff was something they pulled out of uh, unused footage from Legend. But uh, <laughs> apparently, no, that was for the movie, so there. Yeah, they, they, they did film footage of Harrison Ford chasing a unicorn around, but apparently uh, when they went to do the director's <laughs> cut, the tapes of Harrison Ford's bits had uh, been too far damaged to remaster. So now you just have... So you just have the unicorn in in alone as opposed to the full experience. 
and that, as opposed that, to the full Harrison Ford chasing unicorns experience. Yes, <laughs> and, and it's we worth noting. Horse, that is a crime, day, really. It's a crime we don't have that video. Harrison Ford chasing. I can't even say it with a straight face. Is it? I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's a reprieve. Okay, but it, it is worth noting that the director didn't actually cut that version. It was kind of a phone, a series of phone calls between him and um, the guy doing the DVD remaster. So it was, it was, it was basically like, yeah, put the unicorn stuff back in and take the uh, narration out, and that—that's really what I would like to see from it. And so that—that's it, and they market it as a director's cut because that's what you can do. And then the fight—the final cut is the one where he actually got more hands-on and actually uh, did the audio mix himself, where everything is really quiet and he uses the same frigging tone over and over again. Yeah, you really like that one little, you know keyboard riff that goes on, you know, that's pretty much all he uses. This one guy on a keyboard. That's the entire soundtrack. Of course, it was the 80s, but still. There was only one keyboard in existence, so people had to keep giving it back and forth, and then Wonder would go on tour, and no one could use it for months. Yes. Fucking balls. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why the keytar was invented. Yes. The keytar was a step while waiting for the next keyboard to be invented. Yes. That Mr. Luke hired some assistance. Yes. So, yes. Keytars. Awesome. Synthesizers. Vangelis. Vangelis is cool. I zone out to the soundtrack all the time. Why doesn't this move... Why why have none of the various physical releases ever done the soundtrack-only version? Why is that not an option in the audio settings? That's a very good question. I don't. I don't know any movies that do that though. That's there's there's a few out there. I think I only own one or two. Now, according to Wikipedia, good old Wikipedia, uh, where does it go? The director's cut was one of the first DVDs on the market. Yes, that is true. And uh, so, uh, Scott, you're a native Torontonian. I am not actually. No. No, okay. I've only been in the city for eight years now. Okay, well, apparently I, I'm not either. I, you know, I only lived in Toronto for a year and a half at one point. But apparently uh, City TV used to run Blade Runner every New Year's Eve. So, really? Yes. Why not? Because yeah, when you want to celebrate a new year, you want to have that depressing-ass stuff on. <laughs> I run straight hey, days. No, I, I, I can dig it. Like, again, this is the same thing. This is the same corporate umbrella that runs all the Star Trek movies over Christmas. Yeah. Or did. God damn well, you, this Doctor is, Who. That was the ancestor of that particular corporate entity. Yeah. We're, we're a few corporate entities removed, but there's probably someone in common who's like, you know what, let's just, fuck it, holidays, sci-fi movies all week. Now, is that on space, or is that just everywhere? Uh, space definitely used to run Star Trek all Christmas, and then Doctor Who happened. Again. Oh, goddamn Dr. Now Trek is no longer the energy it used to be. <sighs> but God, yes. It's a wonderful film. I could watch it again. I'm very glad that you, you suggested it as the topic tonight, because I hadn't, you know, the, the DVD set hadn't been broken out in a while, so I got to take a look at it. Here's the thing. It's episode 100, and this is an episode that I meant to do, that this discussion was one I meant to have for episode 10. <laughs> it's just one of those so things. Not that we procrastinate or anything. Well, no, it, it's just things happen. And I bet you guys are talking on. about some sort of Japanimation thing. I don't even remember what episode 10 was. 
Do we have any closing thoughts on the Blade Runners? The Citizen Kane of genre movies. I can dig it. I, I, will, yeah. I will. I thumbs up this statement. Yeah. The movie that spawned a whole lot of other movies. The movie that spawned a genre. <laughs> yeah, to be perfectly honest. To a certain extent, yeah. Well, I mean, didn't Gibson, has not Gibson pretty much stated that there was no small amount of inspiration from this film to the to Neuromancer? Basically, yeah. And basically everyone who was in the, the little club of we we were first-gen cyberpunk just sort of goes and looks at Blade Runner and says, yeah, we, were, we wanted to do something like that, so we did. Like there's there's no one out there. There's there's no like Jean Cocteau out there being like, no, I invented. There was no cyberpunk until I invented the word. <laughs> we hope. We hope. Let's just let's just throw that out there because if there is somebody, no, there shouldn't be. Except Gibson, you can theoretically. I mean, there was somebody, but you know. Uh, yeah, Gibson. The genre. Eh, he's a good American hippie dude. I'm fond of him. And like, and he and he is I should also Runner. mention that uh, William Gibson is, of course, one of the truly great Canadian sci-fi authors because he came from America and then moved here. Yep, key key to that success. Mm. Yes. Party on! Party on! Party on, Wayne! Party on! Party on, girl! Anyway, I don't. Oh, hey, did you guys hear they're gonna do the third one? Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. I didn't hear that. I, I heard they're, they're going to start filming Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Part 3. That's what I meant by the third one. Uh, oh. Third Bill and Ted film. What did you think okay. I was talking about? A third Wayne's World? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which could also theoretically happen because Mike Myers has not a lot else to do and loves to make unnecessary sequels to comedies, so there you go. Well, I mean... I most of his library is just unnecessary, period. Hey, sir, I will remind you that this is a fine son of Scarborough we are speaking of here. And we all liked So I Married an Axe Murderer. Admit yes. it. Piper yes. dude! We've got a Piper dude! Classic. The Love of Guru? Anyone? You weren't being sarcastic, were you, Scott? No, no, I, I do generally like that movie. It's a good movie. Okay, good. It's very rare that you have Axe Murder and Beat Poetry in the same film. Although, to be deadly honest, I'm surprised that isn't a genre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> poetry, Axe Murdering. Oh, come on, no love for the love guru? Yeah, no, that's... Look, God, good lord, no. No, <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ. Okay, for reference, I was being sarcastic. Yeah, well, we figured that. We hope. <laughs> Edgar Wright was filming Scott Pilgrim in Toronto several years ago and did one of his Wright Stuff mini film festivals at the Bloor Cinema. Mm -hmm. uh, he showed two of his own films one evening, so I decided to go see uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz in a theater, as I'd never seen in the theater before. During the post-film Q&A, Someone said, uh, you're making a film set in Toronto. Tell me, do you have any thoughts about another Hollywood production set in Toronto, The Love Guru? And Mr. Wright was incredibly diplomatic when he discussed <laughs> that film. Mr. Wright said, Mr. Wright, Mr. Wright, Mr. Wright, Edgar Wright, said that Mike Myers could have just gone and made Austin Powers 4. He didn't. He chose to take a risk to try something different. And he should be lauded for that, even if the execution was not 100% successful. The love guru was Austin Powers for without Austin Powers. And racism, but yes. And, and, and also oh. racism. That was kind of in the first three, too. Yeah, but it's a new kind of racism, and it's much more varied. Okay. <laughs> but there, there we go. Um, 
take everybody's word Although for they it. Did let, they did let Minnie Me talk in this movie, so that's okay. Yeah, fucking Red Troyer, man. <laughs> but yeah. Screw that guy. If, I'm just going to say now, if you haven't seen Blade Runner, why the fuck did you listen to this whole episode without seeing go Blade Runner? Go watch it. It's amazing. It's a good film. We should have actually started this by saying go watch Blade Runner if you haven't yeah. seen it already. If you haven't gathered from everything we've just said, this movie is awesome, and if you haven't seen it, go see it. We tend to give those kind of warnings after we start in on it anyway. Yeah. And besides, this is well past spoiler territory. This came out in 1982, folks. Yeah. <laughs> but I, Some of us weren't alive then. So I, I just have one question for you, for, for, for each of you, which is that, so you're wandering through the desert, and you see a tortoise. <laughs> which desert? Uh, it, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just a hypothetical. Why am I there? Uh, you know, uh, again, that you you can decide that for yourself. I mean, really, uh, you, maybe you just want to get away from it all. Maybe you're. Is on it like a, a short one day walk, or am I going on sort of an expedition? Uh, I, you know what, I whatever you feel is best. But you see this tortoise. Did I wake up there? Have I been wandering for days? Is this the first time I'm lucid? I'll tell you about my mother. <laughs> so do I eat the turtle? What turtle? <laughs> so you encounter a tortoise. A turtle. Eating all the tortoise. A tortoise. Tortoise. It's like a turtle. <laughs> you know what a turtle is? I know what a turtle is. I'm not. <laughs> I've seen a picture of one. Yeah. Uh, oh, Leon. He was the well, only one who seemed still, to be intent. Leon, I know. Yeah, no. So Leon seemed to be the only one intent on murder. I think. More oh, intent. Okay. Kind of he intent was having a Voight comp test performed on him. Who performs Voight comp tests? Blade Runners? Exactly. <laughs> what? Leon is a renegade replicant. What do Blade Runners do to renegade replicants? They, they retreat they them. them. Yes. Le- Leon shooting that guy was self-defense. Uh, e- even just what he was doing to Roy when they finally met up, was like, you know, I'm going to just murder you. (laughs) Rick? Yeah, Rick. Sorry. Ah. Once again, it was a Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if uh, he may have been enjoying it a little too much, or he could have been doing the exact same thing Roy does later on, showing him what's it like to live in fear. I mean, I'm pretty sure he says something to that effect during the the sequence. He does, before he finally gets around to going, now I'm just going to thumb your eyes. Oh, fuck! And then Rachel has really fucking good aim. Yeah. God. You know, she blows his head off while wearing a fur coat. Yes, but Rachel is awesome. Yes. Kind of wish she'd been able to be Catwoman. She oh, was uh, what? She, that actress was considered for the role in Batman Returns. Well, she was very... She, she put herself front and center. She was supposed to be Vicky Vale in the original. Sean Young was supposed to play Vicky Vale in the original Batman, but injured herself during a horse riding accident. Damn it. So she was all like, now, um, you're going to make me Catwoman. And he's like, ah, just got her. She's pretty, nope, Catwoman. She made a Catwoman outfit and showed up on set. <laughs> yeah. Are there pictures? Uh, in my mind. <laughs> in my mind. Uh, there may be, I, I don't know. I'll also mention that I really like that the Voight-Kampf test tastes like, takes time. Yeah. It's not just scan your eyeball, oh, you're a robot. No, you've you got to test, you've got to check. Yep. Because I think that, you know what, as much as Rachel barely failed that test, I think Rick would barely pass at that point in the movie. Yeah. Well, it depends. How much, how much whiskey has he had by that point? 
when he's taking the test. Well, I mean, he is he is arguing with that guy about how you can make noodles out of booze. I'm pretty sure yeah. that what that was what the conversation was. One of the great philosophical questions of our times. Can you make noodles out of now, booze? Now, is he talking about what using them as the soup base or I, as as much as possible really i think he wants the vegetables and meat sauteed in marinated in booze beforehand and then also the soup base and if at all possible could you ferment the noodles <clears throat> probably probably I'm but it's not something you would sure. want to drink i'm pretty sure there's a cooking show on uh, food network that will do all that yeah I, I bet if not there's definitely a youtube channel for it Yep. Oh yeah, Ep- epic meal time, baby. Well, they have a they have a real TV show now, which I feel. Uh, is... Yeah, it's on it's on the Learning Channel. What are we learning from them? Not to eat this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Learning Channel doesn't actually have a lot to do with learning anymore, so there you go. We should do an episode just about web shows, just YouTube shows and stuff. Stuff we like. Yeah, that could be a thing that goes on. Stuff we like, some of the stuff that we enjoy making snide remarks about. You know, little from Gollum, little from Gollum, but... Alright. So the... I think I have to be kicked out of that episode. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll definitely we'll put that on the list for the next few. I've, I do have some plans. So tune in for episode 101, which will also mark the beginning of season 5. I'm, I will come up with some sort yeah. of weird subtitle for it uh, and the sh- for, uh, for, for the ID3 tags. The Quintening? <laughs> Maybe. There's a tag, ladies and gentlemen. Season five. There we go. And uh, how the hell did we make four seasons of this? Anyway, I don't know, but we uh, the next one will either be about kill a kill or we'll be tasting beer live on air. It depends Woo! on how scheduling works. Let's do that one. See you on episode 102, kids. See you around, guys. Have a good Scott. night, everybody. Good night, Scott. Scott. Yeah. Scott. Go play video games with your wife. Yes. Good night, everybody. Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0 international Creative Commons license. Please visit our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com for more episodes as well as social media information. Thank you.